0: There is a special place called the Cedar Creek Ecosystem Science Reserve that lies at the diverse boundary between Minnesota's prairies and forests. It is a globally recognized University of Minnesota site for long-term ecological research and a unique place to explore and soak in the Minnesota natural surroundings. Listen as Dr. Caitlin Potter describes one of her favorite places at Cedar Creek.
1: It's so hard to pick just one special place when you think about a location that is as large and diverse as Cedar Creek. The university owns about 5,600 acres of land um, that are part of the reserve, and they really do encapsulate pretty much all of the natural diversity found in the state of Minnesota. So we've got beautiful prairie and grassland sections. We have oak savanna. We've got deciduous hardwood forests as well as the boreal coniferous forests but maybe my absolute favorite place is, is a spot at Cedar Creek called Cedar Bog Lake. Cedar Bog Lake is where Ray Lindemann did his groundbreaking work in the 1940s, studying food webs and energy flow through food webs. So it's a very famous location in terms of science. And it's also just this perfect peaceful spot. We take education groups out there all the time and, and you can stand on this dock, look out at this pretty small, but very famous lake It's surrounded by tamaracks, they turn color in the fall. And it's just, I don't know, it feels like the perfect Minnesota lake.
0: Welcome to Explore, Teach, Conserve by the University of Minnesota Extension. I'm Nate Meyer, and we are excited to talk with Dr. Caitlin Potter from the University of Minnesota about the Cedar Creek Ecosystem Reserve. We'll also share some ideas about where you can learn more and get involved with activities at the reserve. Hi, Caitlin. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Nate. I'm so happy to be here.
0: The reserve was established in 1942, and in 1982, it was one of 11 sites in the United States selected by the National Science Foundation for funding of long-term ecological research. How do you describe this idea of long-term ecological research, and why is it important in making modern scientific discoveries, especially as it relates to tackling environmental or conservation challenges?
1: long-term data is absolutely crucial in understanding the world that we live in and then making progress on some of the, the big issues that face us like climate change and nutrient pollution. So often when science gets funded, people apply for grants that last for two or three years, if you're lucky, maybe five years. And when you think about natural systems, We know intuitively that they don't work on a one or two or even a five year scale. When we look at problems like climate change, taking any one or two year chunk doesn't give you much information. That's like looking at a weather pattern rather than looking at climate. So, having places like Cedar Creek that are set aside specifically for long term research and are funded in such a way that you can set up projects that are going to run for decades really makes it possible to answer questions that scientists used to be able to only dream of. So we're quite lucky. We're one of 28, I think, 28 or 29 sites now around the U.S. that are set aside with this goal of collecting systematic long-term research. Um, The questions that we ask and answer are tuned to the region that we are based in and tuned to the pressing problems here in Minnesota. So we do look at things like climate change. We look at things like biodiversity loss and biodiversity restoration, particularly in prairie and grassland settings after agriculture, because we know so much of Minnesota's prairie has been turned into agricultural land over the last 100 years or so. We look at questions related to trophic cascades and food webs. What happens when you gain or lose a top predator? which is something that has happened in a lot of Minnesota ecosystems. And only by setting up these experiments and these observations that will run for decades are we able to really start understanding what's actually taking place and how humans fit into those questions, whether they are part of the problem or whether they can be part of the solution. Another thing that's really special about these, they're called LTER, long term ecological research sites that are funded by the National Science Foundation, is that all of the data that's produced at these sites is freely available. We can usually find examples of similar data collected at another long term site and so we can start making these continental scale comparisons. We can start sharing data with collaborators in other parts of the country, in other parts of the world, and and there's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of power in saying, is the result that we find at Cedar Creek applicable in grasslands all over the world? Can a pattern that we observe in Minnesota translate into the same sort of management techniques that could be applied in Europe or in Mongolia or in the grasslands of South America? And with that long-term data, we can have a lot of confidence that what we're finding is a real pattern and generalizable rather than specific just to our little sites.
0: Cedar Creek supports a large variety of different projects involving researchers from across the University of Minnesota and probably a bunch of other institutions across the U.S. and worldwide. Can you describe some of these significant projects and the teams involved?
1: Absolutely. So we do have a core group of researchers that are based at the University of Minnesota. Um, Many of them come from the College of Biological Sciences, But we also collaborate and have some lead researchers from the College of Food, Ag and Natural Resources Science, um, who come more from the forestry perspective and some of the wildlife perspectives. Those teams of people um, run some really amazing long term projects. Three of the ones that come to mind for me are kind of what you would expect when you think about pressing environmental concerns. Um, One is Dr. Dave Tillman's big biodiversity experiment if you've seen pictures of cedar creek or visited you've probably seen this experiment if you've ever taken a college ecology course you've certainly read about it dave's experiment was the first in the world to use diversity level so number of species in a plot um, as the primary manipulated variable in in his experiment so in this in this big field we have all of these squares some of which have one type of prairie plant in it others which have two or four or eight or 16 or 32 and are able to measure all sorts of things about plant communities and look at how they change with diversity level that experiment has now been replicated all over the world which is really cool so work that was done here in minnesota is now inspiring collaborators in other places in europe and in a number of other places around the country as well to do these exact same kind of biodiversity experiments in different ecosystems. We also have a very long-term and famous experiment related to climate change and global change generally that's run by Dr. Sarah Hobby and Dr. Peter Reich. It's called Biocon. Everything at Cedar Creek has a fun fancy acronym. Biocon the letters in it tell you what's being manipulated, which are biodiversity, carbon dioxide, and nitrogen. And this is a, an experiment that, unlike many climate change experiments, doesn't take place in a greenhouse. Um, it's now the longest, what's called free air, enrichment experiment. So the open air out in the greenhouse, open to the elements experiments, and we're able to manipulate carbon dioxide levels and sort of make a, a little crystal ball for ourselves and led to a future where we know there's going to be a lot more carbon dioxide in the air, a lot more nitrogen in the soil from all of the agriculture that we do and all the fertilizer that runs off and is being deposited atmospherically and see how that affects plant communities. And then the final kind of flagship experiment um, is is that Cedar Creek is the headquarters for another network. So in the same way that we're part of this long-term ecological network, we're also headquarters for something called the Nutrient Network, which is a cross-site experiment that takes place in over 100 locations all over the world. Um, It is run by Dr. Eric Sebloom and Dr. Elizabeth Borer, and it's this experiment that manipulates What animals can get into plots to eat vegetation so top down controls on plant growth and productivity, and then it also manipulates nutrient levels so those bottom up controls and is able to start looking at the relative role of things removing your plant material or nutrients helping you produce more in grasslands globally. We do also on on all three of those projects, as well as many other projects at Cedar Creek, collaborate with scientists from other institutions in the Midwest, um, from all over the country and increasingly from all over the world.
0: Dr. Potter is a scientist and educator. Her very first job at age 12 was volunteering at a zoo in California where she helped run a classroom area for preschoolers and then worked her way into environmental education. She also completed her degree in wildlife biology at the University of California, Davis, and then a Ph.D. in ecology and evolutionary biology at Princeton, where she studied geladas, which are grass-eating primates in mountainous regions of Ethiopia. She is now the Education and Community Engagement Coordinator at Cedar Creek, where she combines her scientific research and environmental education experience in what she feels is the best job in the world.
1: I have the best job in the world. Um, I am the Education and Community Engagement Coordinator at Cedar Creek, which means that I am in charge of the public facing programs and kind of sit at this in between spot between the people that do the actual work and the people in our community who would like to learn about the work that's being done. I came to this job because I tried out all the other bits and pieces of it and discovered that it's hard to put them all together under a single job description. So at Cedar Creek, I I get to do a bit of everything. Um, Most folks on site study plants. And since I'm an animal person by nature, um, I get to help lead a lot of our research projects related to wildlife. I get to run our field trip programs. I get to work with the master naturalists and the local master gardener and other volunteer groups and, and just do a little bit of everything. And it's perfect. It really is. It's my dream job, and I'm so lucky to have found it.
0: You've mentioned working quite a bit with Minnesota Master Naturalist Program volunteers, Master Gardener Program volunteers. I know you've worked with other extension audiences. Tell us a little bit about that, and what is your favorite or most rewarding part of that work?
1: The U of M's extension programs are amazing. They really do everything. And especially in my position at Cedar Creek, where I am the only full-time permanent employee at Cedar Creek doing something education related, Um, having partners in extension means that I get to have my fingers in a lot of really cool pots. Um, I've gotten a chance to work with many of our local 4-H groups giving programs and helping develop resources. As I mentioned, we do some work with master gardeners, providing lectures and volunteer opportunities. Um, We collaborate on a number of citizen science projects that Extension runs either by hosting trainings or by helping give lectures to volunteers who are getting started on some of these citizen science projects. Um, But my favorite, I think, honestly, is doing advanced trainings for the Master Naturalist Program. Minnesota Master Naturalist is is an awesome statewide program where folks go through a 40-hour certification course, which I sometimes help teach, but often do not help teach. Uh, And in those 40 hours, they learn quite a bit of content, they get connected with places to volunteer, they do a capstone project. And then to maintain their certification after that course, they have to do eight hours of advanced training every year. Those trainings have to be about something Minnesota and natural history E, but other than that, the topics are pretty open and it's been a lot of fun for me to get to talk with master naturalist volunteers, as well as program staff about what sort of topics might be fun for people to take trainings in and then build whatever trainings I want. So out of that, we have grown. We had a lichen identification workshop a couple of years ago. Um, we do some bumblebee surveys uh, and bumblebee identification classes for advanced trainings. We run a monthly lecture series called Lunch with a Scientist for Master Naturalists and anyone else who wants to can attend a brief lecture and then an open Q&A with one of our site scientists. And I find it really inspiring to put those trainings together and to interact with the volunteers who attend them. There's so much knowledge and passion and enthusiasm for our natural resources in the Master Naturalist community and having the chance to open Cedar Creek up as a resource to a community like that is really powerful. It gives me a lot of hope for a future as a site Um, our future as a scientific community and our future kind of as a state that there are so many people that are excited to learn and excited to contribute.
0: So our listeners on the ETC love to learn more about and get involved with sites like Cedar Creek. In fact, as you've said, I think quite a few of our Minnesota Master Naturalist volunteers and others have probably been on the site already. But where do you suggest other listeners can learn more about or get involved with Cedar Creek, especially if they're new to the reserve.
1: We have a website. It is cedarcreek.umn, universityofminnesota.edu. And on that website, there's a whole lot of information, um, lots of stuff about our research, images, directions, um, but there's a section about upcoming opportunities, programs, and events. Uh, We list out there the in-person and online things that are coming up at the reserve over the next few months. Um, We also have a page dedicated specifically to citizen science projects. During the pandemic, that's been really fun because we do have a couple of opportunities for people to contribute to our science remotely. Um, One of the projects that I manage is a trail camera project called Eyes on the Wild. It's on the Citizen Science page, but you can also go directly to the project um, at eyesonwild.com. In this project, we have about 115 cameras scattered all over the reserve that take pictures continuously year round, all day, all night um, of all the animals that walk by them. The cameras generate just over a million pictures a year and we rely on volunteer help to go through all of those pictures and tell us what's in them. It's a ton of fun. We've gotten some really amazing shots of interesting interactions, interesting species, everything from wolves and bears down to squirrels and muskrat and, and all, the, all the species in between. We're also just in the next couple of weeks going to be launching another citizen science project called Woodpecker Cavity Cam. And this will ask volunteers to look at little 10 to 30 second video clips that are taken at the nests of our resident redheaded woodpeckers and and it's part of a long-term citizen science project that usually is in person now is going to be online because of covid that helps us understand why this charismatic kind of quintessentially midwestern bird species is doing so well at cedar creek and so poorly in the rest of its range um, so there are opportunities to attend events learn Via things like lunch with the scientists, but also to contribute through some of these online trail camera projects. We hope in the next Few months um, as more people get vaccinated and things start to open up again, that we'll return to having our in person citizen science and educational programs as well. So look forward to an open house next year, 2022, will be our 80th anniversary as a site. So I'm sure we'll have some big events associated with that, um, as well as opportunities to, to help with science, whether it's via animal tracking or catching bumblebees or coming and attending a volunteer event, planting trees.
0: I have one last question for you. What is a hashtag or a brief message that you wish would really take off right now? Like millions of people are sharing it.
1: It's a good question. I have a serious answer and a silly answer. There's a lot of great hashtags and great social media movement right now related to diverse representation in science and in academia. Um, So hashtags like Black in nature and black birders and black in STEM or black in the ivory give some insights into some of the barriers that very much exist in our field for people that are trying to enter that don't kind of fit the traditional mold of academic researchers. So those are worth following and I think worth amplifying as much as we can. On a less serious note, I, I really enjoy the fieldwork fail hashtag if you search for fieldwork fail on twitter you'll find a lot of great anecdotes and illustrations and things of of what it's like to actually be a field biologist times when you know a scientist Traveling back on an airplane with a suitcase full of blood samples ran into trouble at customs or a time when someone accidentally superglued themselves to their research subject instead of the radio transmitter to their research subject, And just kind of a lighthearted look about the less glamorous sides of the field. So those, those are another set of, I think, fun and a little bit more lighthearted hashtags to look for.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the ETC. Huge thanks to Dr. Caitlin Potter for joining us to talk about the Cedar Creek Ecosystem Reserve. Visit cedarcreek.umn.edu to learn more and get involved with citizen science and other public programs at the site. Thanks to Lauren Sorgard for helping edit this interview. This episode was recorded over Zoom from our homes during the coronavirus pandemic in 2021. We hope you enjoyed the opportunity for some advanced training during your daily walk, while sitting at your desk, or wherever you can listen in. Look for the ETC and subscribe on any of your favorite podcast services. Give us a thumbs up or drop a comment to let us know you value the podcast. Pass it along to others. We look forward to sharing another episode soon. In the meantime, we hope you stay safe, be healthy, and enjoy nature in place.